Okay, guys, welcome to the podcast. Today, we're doing a different episode because in the past several, I've been the one being interviewed, but today I'm the interviewer again, and we're sitting down with my creator, <laughs> who is also an explorer, I would say, number one, an adventurer, a, an author now. He has a book coming out, and I think one of my biggest inspirations, this is my dad, yeah. John John Moore. Welcome. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Welcome, welcome to you. Yeah, okay. Welcome to my world. Uh, uh, oh, oh, welcome to your world. All right. This is going to be a goofy one. Probably, probably one of the wildest podcasts I imagine I've ever done. Because, Dad, you lived a pretty, you've, so far, you've lived a pretty wild life. I mean, you traveled like 20, 10, 20, 10 years in Mexico, like in the forest, basically. Yeah, not 10 years. Straight. <laughs> no, ten, I made annual. I made annual trips for like twelve years. Once a year, I'd go okay somewhere else. And along the way, for those of you guys that didn't know, because I put it in the vlog, but you um you made some friends there, and every year you'd go back, you'd go find them. Yep. But when you first started doing these trips, what year was that when you uh, first started? That was nineteen eighty seven. Was the first trip I made nineteen eighty seven. 1987? Yeah. Okay. In the Yucatan. In the Yucatan. Yucatan, Mexico, yeah. And um, and I, I think the first story we could start off with is maybe um, how you, you had your friend, what's his name? Alejandro. Alejandro, right. Chuk. Chuk. Okay. Chuk. <laughs> and Jose Quiermo. Okay. Chuk. That's a good way to test the mics, you know, instead of saying check, you go chuk, chuk, chuk. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so... You um you met them twenty years ago. No. Oh, third. No, no, no. Eighty-seven. Math. Nineteen eighty-seven. Thirty-three years ago. Yeah. Whatever. I can't do the math. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thirty-three. Yeah. Thirty-three years yeah. ago. And uh, and then you went back and visited no, that. Dot. Do you want to reveal the ending? Don't oh, okay. So you want to you want to start at the beginning? Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> So what was it like when you first met them? Well, no. What happened was I, my friend photographer went to the Yucatan in 1986. He came back and he had all these fantastic pictures of Mayan ruins. And um, so I said, man, I, I got to go there. So I planned my own trip and I went to uh, Merida, which is in um, the Yucatan Peninsula. Um, and then I also planned to drive from Merida down to uh, Chiapas, Palenque. Uh, but anyway, so I rented a car, right, mm -hmm. in, in Merida. And at that time, and you would get a car, and it was, the car would be kind of banged up, you know, uh, depending on what kind of car you, but you could, you, I was, it wasn't like I was going there and running a Tesla. <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, I'm driving the car, driving the car out of town. I'm heading out to the ruins of Ushmal, Labna, Sahil, all the uh, ruins south of uh the city of Merida, um, and I just about forty-five minutes outside of the town, I get to uh, this very small, uh, at then very small uh, town called Yashkopuil. That's a, a Yashkopuil. That's a um, uh, Yucatec Maya uh, name, um, probably named after something to do with the ruins that were there. And these villages Yashkopuil on top of ruins, basically. Mm -hmm. Yashkopuil was uh, became a Henneken plantation. Um, in the uh, 1700s, and what does that mean? Uh, well, Henneken is a plant, the yucca plant. Oh, 
right? And so uh, when the Spanish came in, they built these large plantations that processed the henequen into rope, so into rope and other products. And so the ruins of the henequen plantation were right there, Spanish colonial ruins right in this town, obviously no longer uh, functioning. Um, but anyway, so I'm driving through the town, and sure enough, smoke's coming out of the hood, right? <laughs> this car is totally um, overheated. So I pulled over the side of the road. I, I really couldn't go any farther. And all of a sudden, all these guys came out of their houses and say, there's the gringo. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, broke down his car. And this one guy, a couple of these guys, two guys in particular, um, Alejandro uh, Tuk and Jose Guillermo, two guys I really made friends with. They, Alejandro especially, was kept pouring water, cold water into the radiator. All right. And um, tried to start it again. It started, kept smoking. Finally, we just uh, said it was a lost cause. And they gave me a ride, like a, uh, some, they summed a friend who had a car. They gave me a ride to the nearest town, which is Uman, um, so I could call the car rental place because there's no telephones in right. 1987. Yeah. So I called the car rental place and they, I had to wait for like two or three hours. And they finally came out with a truck, you know, a flatbed truck, and they put the car on and gave me a new car. But anyway, in, the, in those three hours, it was really awesome. I, uh, you know, I got to hang out with these guys in their village, and, and I had, at that time, my Spanish was really bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you were using phrase books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look up. Was that your first time in Mexico, or? or... It was my first time in Mexico, yeah. Ah. 1987. Yeah. So we went. To the the uh, uh, you know the tienda, bought some uh, you know beers, you know, and and then they took me out to the uh, cenote. Uh, they said, "Let's go to the cenote. Let's go to the cenote. We'll take you to the cenote. You got to wait around for your car. Go to the cenote." So we went to the cenote, and it's, it was it was awesome. You know, it's this very very deep cave with uh, stairs. They had made cement stairs, and really a long staircase down into the into the uh, cenote. We got down there, the water was like beautiful. Ice, not ice cold, but cold, very cold. Um, so anyway, to make a long story short, I uh, that was how you met yeah, we, Jose Guillermo. That's how I met uh, Alejandro too. And I so when I got back, we got back to the village, still waiting for the car to arrive. Um, I took a whole bunch of pictures of, of his family and uh, all these guys by the car. Um, I was, gathered around my car all smiling you know like hey we fixed the gringo's car um on a, on a film camera too so you couldn't yeah, just yeah. like show that film camera so i was setting a tripod up and putting the tripod and you know putting it on a timer um yeah so that that's how i met and then uh keep going subsequently after uh every year i went down there um and every year i went through merida i uh um Stopped and visited. Yeah, it was great. Arn's got a film camera there. Yeah, it's a little... yeah, when did you get this one? That's, that's a, I got this one in, this is a Roly. It's like a miniature Roly. It's heavy as anything. It's great. I got this one probably in mid-90s. Um, but at the time, I was shooting with Nikon equipment, um, Nikon film equipment. And uh, this one was just sort of a, a more portable... You couldn't really call it a point and shoot. Um, it's 
I wish I could. You could feel how heavy it is. Yeah, yeah it's all metal, all metal parts. A beautiful machine. It's got glass. The glass is just crystal clear. It's great. Um, so at the time, the, you know, I was shooting at film a lot, and I was saying this earlier that there's a difference between shooting with film and with digital. Um, and the main difference is that there's no screen on the back of the camera. So what you have to do is your hit your your eyes for the viewfinder. Well, this is trendy now. The kids know about film cameras. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not only that, but they know about old vintage uh, digital cameras too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So the difference, the main difference is that when you're focusing, when you're looking at the picture, you're framing the picture in the viewfinder. You're not looking at a screen. Yeah. So it it becomes a, sort of a meditative experience um, because you're looking at the picture, you're one with the picture. There's no distractions. You know, when you're looking at a screen, you can see everything else all around. And that's a lot, that's a lot, Dad, what your book's about kind of too, right? And, like photography and meditation and... Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So when you were going down to Mexico uh, and... Also, there were no phones. There were no cell phones. There was not. There wasn't email either. No. How did you keep in touch with Jose Guillermo and Alejandro uh, when you went? I wrote letters. You had to write a letter. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I wrote, a letter. wrote letters, and um, what I used to do is, I mean, I didn't. I knew it was Yashko Buil, yeah. but at the time when I would, you know, in the year between one of my trips down there, um, you know, I'd write them letters, you know, and send them a picture or something, you know. But the way that the letter got to them, since I only knew, they didn't really have an address, actually. They didn't have a street address. Uh, just living in a very simple um, you know, home uh, made of sticks, made of wood, all wood. Um, and uh, so what I would do in order for the letter to get to him is I'd paste a picture of him on the outside of the envelope, right? <laughs> and I'd just put Alejandro, Yashkop Wheel, Mexico. And sure enough, <laughs> the pictures got to him. Um, because the next trip and time I went down there, you know, all these pictures I had sent were like, you know, on the walls. You know? That was like the first like yeah. text message with picture. Yeah. You just right. put the picture of the person on the front of the yeah. <laughs> page. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So it would get, it would get to them. And, and, um, and once in a while I get a letter back, not usually cause they, you know, uh, mainly when they, when my friends, Alejandro, Jose were at home, they were speaking Yucatec. So, but they're you know absolutely fluid in Spanish. What's Yucatec? That's Yucatec, Spanish. Yeah, that's a that's the um, uh, it's uh, it's a Yucatec. It's, it's a Maya. Uh, it's Maya, not Spanish. Language. Is it related to Spanish at all? No, no. It has nothing to do with Spanish. Nothing to do with Spanish. Huh. so yeah. So, it, it, do you speak so, Yucatec? No, <laughs> I've started to learn a little bit, a few words in there here and there. What does it sound? Does it sound like Spanish? It sounds like well, the word for sun is. Like shining sun, kin, yeah, all of the kin. The the letters are all pronounced differently. It doesn't sound like Spanish. So if you want to hear it on my website, there's a a um uh, a tape. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it's a video that I made, that I edited, made, and this my friend Alejandro <laughs> is telling a story in Yucatec. Yeah, yeah, not it'll be the mother sick. Why would that? That's not the yacht, I think. It's so clear, but I could go be a mother sick. Is she in? Which bull me not that kind of? You must go below. 
cold water. He took it in the hand. So he took a corner over. He put it the and I have no idea what, what you know, the language is saying. Oh, no idea. Is it the, it's the language of the Mayans? Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, an ancient Maya dialect. So the Mayans that like transcended into the, the Enlightenment, that's what they were speaking? So well, Jose Guillermo is a descendant of like the Maya. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're all Maya. Oh, they're Mayan. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. So the, I didn't even know they're... They're Mayan. I didn't know yeah. that. So Mayan is not necess- is not Mexican. Mayan is a completely different. Yeah, that's oh. the indigenous. Pe- uh, uh, yeah, before the. Sp- oh, I didn't even know about that. You didn't? No. Well, you know, I used to have Americans. You know, yeah. we have Native Americans. Right. Living Cal, you know, living out in the West, especially. I mean, all throughout the U.S. There's some Native American tribes. Yeah. They were here long before. Yeah. Uh, you know, long before Columbus, and long before the Spaniards. Um, came and, you know, decimated the populations, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so there's, uh, my friends in Yashkopil are still speaking Yucatec, uh, uh-huh. usually in, in their homes. And I would hear, and I'd say, hey, so one day I said, uh, tell me, hey, can you tell me a story? Una historia. <laughs> I'd talk in Spanish, ask them uh, to tell me a story in, in, in Yucatec. Uh-huh. Oh, and you recorded it. Yucateca. Yeah, see, so, um, yeah, he would tell, uh, he'd tell a story in Yucatec. I have yeah. no idea what the story's talking about. Yeah. You know, I mean, I might be able to pick up bits and pieces. In we could maybe, we could put some of your photos that you took from these pictures sure. on the screen because you, I mean, when, when I was growing up, I remember, you know, I, I, you had a, those photos all around the house. I thought that was one of the coolest things, one of the coolest projects you worked on. Um, like just those, how how you took the faces of those, yeah. the Mayans, and then you it, you juxtapose them with like the ruins right. of the Mayans. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Faces carved in stone. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, by the way, when you talk about the Mayans, you don't say the Mayans. What do you say? You say the Maya. The Maya, right. The only time you use the word Mayan is when you're talking about the Mayan language. That's when you use the word Mayan, Mm -hmm. right? But there's no no such word as the Mayans. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. It's the Maya. When you were traveling there, because right now, I mean, you have, where's that, the book? One of the things we talk about a lot is like the Enlightenment and Eckhart Tolle and spirituality and that kind of stuff. Were you into, you know, meditation and that kind of stuff back then? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, well, you know, I never really started meditating. I mean, there was a time when I was kind of pseudo meditating. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just out of college, you know, and there was the late 60s and 70s and meditation was really cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd go sit somewhere on the beach or something and close my eyes and like think about all this different stuff. And that's, you know, yeah. my form of meditation was like pondering the seagulls. Yeah. And thinking about where the hell they come from? What are they doing? So you were just, you weren't, would you say you were really in that meditative state or you more just thinking that you were meditating? I was in a meditative state when I was taking pictures. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of all these ideas that are current ideas that we talk about, about yeah. enlightenment and all, you know, I wasn't consciously thinking about that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, at that time. Um, okay. So 
So you would you guys would keep letters back and forth, and then you just go back. And how long were these trips? Were they like a week, a month? Well, they're anywhere between. I think the long. They're anywhere between ten days, seventeen days, you know, twenty days, you know, annually. But it built, you know, it, you know, going down there year after year, um, really, you know, enabled me to have a lot of different kind of experiences and um, take a lot of pictures. Yeah, yeah. So I, what I would do is I, if I go down one year, you know, I'd take pictures of families, people I met. And then the next year I went down, I'd bring the pictures back down. You know, sometimes I'd try to mail them, um, but sometimes, you know, I had no address. And um, sometimes I, I didn't even have to know the name of the town that I would visit, but I'd go back and I'd try to find the people that I had visited the previous year and bring pictures of them to their family and stuff. Um, which leads, should I keep going with this? Yeah. Yeah. So, on that very first trip, I ended up going to uh, Palenque, Mexico, and that was really different than the Yucatan in that it was in the jungle. Yucatan is a very, very dry peninsula, and um, but Palenque, you're into the uh, Chiapas Mountains, um, and going to the ruins there is a totally, it's a really different experience. And also the carvings, the carvings on stone are very, very clear and very, very recognizable. And that's when I started um, realizing that the Mayan, not, see, I shouldn't be saying Mayan, Mayan people were still there. And and a lot of tourists, or, well, not necessarily tourists, but people would always say, where did the Mayan go? Where did they go? Um, they didn't, and they didn't go anywhere. They're, they're still there. Oh, and to see the faces, I started to see the faces of the Maya in the stones, yeah, and remarkable the the transition, the not the transition, but the comparison, the perfect profile, yeah, that would match a profile of stone. So as if as if um, they themselves were in the stone. There's a direct link between the Maya of today and their ancient ancestors. Yeah. So what was that about? Just a little side side story here, but like. When the Mayas, you know, transcended into enlightenment, um, and boy, I don't know if I could comment uh, on that. I mean, I think to a certain extent, <clears throat> indigenous people are already in touch with this. Yeah, I don't need to go do a, a uh, meditation now. Meditation <laughs> video, or, yeah. you know, because they already have that inherent, you know, inherent uh, consciousness for lack of a better word, you know, in their, in their being. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and, um, so, you know, because I, people, uh, the people I visit, the friends I've made, the really, really simple lives, you know, mm -hmm. you know, their lives are about family, about, you know, cooking food, getting food, cooking food. Um, uh, there's a, a very religious aspect to it, to their lives, you know, most of which were Catholic, um, uh, Catholic, but kind of a a, a, a combination of ca Catholicism, and ancient Maya belief. So, for example, um, the Virgin Mary in the Catholic Church was the moon, is the moon, you know, and God is the sun, and so there's this constant 
uh, thinking and interaction about that. You know, it, it's interesting. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I would make trip after trip, and every time I would go to uh, Mexico or Gu- I got into Guatemala and Honduras, um, I would go to a different archaeological site. And so over the years, I have going photographing over 30 different archaeological sites. Um, and you can, if you're traveling in Yucatan or Chiapas or Guatemala, I'm mean, the ruins are everywhere. You're sitting on top of the ruins all the time. Yeah. And look at a map. There are thousands and thousands of archaeological sites. And the best ones are not the biggest ones. They're the smallest mm-hmm. ones. Uh, there's just precious, yeah, beautiful uh, museum-type uh, uh, pieces of art just lying in the jungle at some of these really remote sites. One is called Yachilan, and that, that site is on the Usumacinta uh, River that borders Guatemala and Chiapas, Mexico. So from Palenque, where I went to on that first trip, um, you drive to a town called La Frontera and um, have to hire a boat to get to Yashchilan. And so that's another uh, set of people that I basically visited made, and made friends with three separate groups of, of people. Um, the first I mentioned was in Yashkopuil. Um, the second was the caretakers at Yashchilan. The caretaker was a guy named Manuel and his wife Maria, uh, Maria, excuse me, and Mama. They lived there. And I visited them five different times, taking a boat down to the Usumacinta River to Yashilan. And so I would re- go back year after the year and bring pictures to them too. Mm-hmm. And um, I just got to be really good friends with them because I was always joking around and, you know, they started calling me uh, Juanito and I'd help them chase the chickens, and, you know, slaughter them and they'd cook chicken. <laughs> And beans for breakfast. Yeah. You know, what do you want? There's no like, oh, it's breakfast time. We're going to have eggs and bacon. No. You know, what do you want? <laughs> uh, how about chicken this morning? Yeah. <laughs> so there's the meals were like, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah. And really fresh, fresh, beautifully fresh. He has, he's growing his own corn, you know, and beans, and the food is always fresh. Directly from his uh, little garden set up and slaughtered mm-hmm. chicken or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Bathing in the Usumacinta River and the ruins going into the ruins at night. <clears throat> Man, um, you, technically you're not supposed to be going into the ruins at night, but one of the caretakers there, one of the workers, not Manuel, but this other guy named Mauro, Mauro, he would say, all right. Give me a few bucks, you know, go into the ruins at night. So my friend Bruce and I, on one of those trips, would go in to these ruins and set up our tripods and stuff and take pictures of these carvings. It's just really, really awesome. And yeah. Yeah. And you're going through, to get into the site of Yashilan, you're going through this this one temple. You have to go through a temple in like a tunnel, right? And you're walking through the tunnel and... I we didn't know what to expect, and there's like there's bats hanging on the walls. Yeah, you know. Um, and then when you come out of this temple, you come to this courtyard, and it's really some of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. 
with moonlight on a courtyard in a Maya ruin on a river where there's no road to get to it. Yeah. Um, and so we'd set up, and about, like I said, there were these masterpieces of, of antiquity, of Maya ruins, carvings, beautiful carvings with hieroglyphics, numerical systems. Um, and so we would set our, our tripods up and photograph uh, these ruins, these uh, carvings in relief. And that's where I got to use some of the pictures in the, the name of the project I was working on was called Emergence Return. And it was like faces of, of a Maya in stone, uh, combined in stone. So the faces of real Maya fading into carvings of ancient ancestors. Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. Where do you think you got the desire to travel this way? I was when I was a little kid. Oh, really? Yeah. Of course, going out in the woods, or or a little lower, or uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, I I grew up in a in New Jersey, but in really a rural area of New Jersey back then in the fifties and sixties, and um, yeah, we my dad had horses, um, and we were always as kids, we were always going off somewhere. My my parents just say go. Go away, <laughs> you know. Go outside. Yeah, and um, yeah, and so we we would try, you know, always out in the woods next to brooks and stuff, building forts, you know. Um, and so that's that's really came came the sense of adventure yeah. that I had that I still have today. Really came from my you know childhood, deep childhood. Yeah, you know, sense of wanting to wanting to discover something or build something. So Dedaw wasn't concerned about that, or, or no, no, oh really? No, huh. no. We had all the Dedaw's houses. My dad's mom. The houses um, um, all had bells on them. So wait, this <laughs> and all the houses had different bells, different rings, at different rings. To so when they wanted you to come in, they'd yeah. ring the bell. Yeah. What does that sound when like? It's getting dark. You'd hear your bell, right? And we'd be like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ding, ding, ding. And we say, oh, <laughs> hey, Gordon, that's your bell. Oh, oh, yeah, different bells. Said, oh, my bell's, <laughs> bell's ringing. All right, I got to go. My bell's ringing. And we got to know each other's bells after a while. I go, Gordon, your bell's ringing. <laughs> you know, or, yeah, that's yeah, funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dad, there's a Netflix show, The Outer Banks Show. Yeah. And um, John B. Yeah. Remember John B.? Yeah. His, his dad used to call him in with a bell. Yeah. 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 <laughs> in the third season there's like the bell. And yeah, uh, anyway. Yeah, we had a bell. My mom would just put her hand out the door and ring the bell. <laughs> ding 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 ding. Right? <laughs> yeah. And um that was it. That was communication. That and the telephone. Um man, I'm really dating myself. Rotary telephone. Six four seven one six five five. That was it. That's the number. No area code. What does that mean? Six four seven one six five five. That's my number. There's no area code. Don't you know what area code is? You had you had a number, but you did. So how does that work? Like the, that's our phone. Our phone number. Your home phone? Yeah, home phone. Yeah. So how does that work when you're on the woods? Well, no, I. Oh, I'm saying we're unrelated. Talking about communication. Oh, oh, okay. In yeah. general, you know, if you wanted to see your friend, you didn't ring the bell. Yeah, you had to just yeah. call the phone. You call on the phone. Yeah. That, <laughs> this is like yeah, right. 
So, uh, what, what else? Okay. Yeah. So your sense of adventure came. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny whenever we go on a trip, I mean, we just went to Joshua tree on a little hiking trip, sort of, and sort of, no, it was a hiking trip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and whenever, whenever we go and you have the map, I always know you're going to pick the place that the least amount of people end up picking. (laughs) Right. And it's like the most rural and it's the most, usually the most like, you know, animals, like dangerous animals, like, oh, rattlesnakes are only found in the southwestern part of the map. And I'm like, oh, that's where he's going to pick, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you're never scared. Like, you're not scared of it at all, ever. Well, yeah. Why? But, you know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, you go to a campground, right? You park your car and you just start walking. Yeah. And walk. You walk, walk as far as you can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And try. I, I remember real. when uh when I took you on last time, two years ago when you came to L.A., and we went on a hike to Mescal Canyon. Yeah. And there was a rattlesnake in the middle of the path. I was like, oh no, there's there's a rattlesnake. And you're like, oh. And you like went up to it, and you were like about to pet it. <laughs> you weren't about to pet it, but you weren't. You just you were like, ah, it's just a rattlesnake. Just walk no, right you by skip. it. You skip. You didn't skip. You just you just didn't even like ignore. You just looked at it. To skip a little bit, and then the other time and when you skip, you go snake, <laughs> snake, snake. <laughs> okay, and then the other time was when um when we were in Colorado. Yeah, and we went on a hike in Colorado out in the the mountains in Silverthorn, and um and we were with mom of course and Uncle Matt and Aunt Sandy, and was I don't know if Anderson was there. No, no, no. Mark and Brenda, maybe. Anyway, we went on this hike, and we're out like a couple miles out, and this giant deer is in the, like, really big deer, not like a little wimpy Bambi deer, like a big deer. And we're all like, oh, no, you know, don't, you know, startle the deer. It might, you know, who knows what it's going to do. And we were all continuing to walk, and I was getting so mad because my dad was, like, creeping closer and, like, staring at the deer. You were, like, connecting with it on a spiritual plane. Yeah, I know, but that's right. Nothing's going to happen. You know, the deer is not going to like... Yeah, you kept it. saying that, but... I mean, if if I had horns, maybe you'd want to charge me. But, you know, yeah, I'd want to get as close as possible to the animal. <laughs> no, no. Yes. Yeah. No. Yes, go, go down the Grand Canyon. Hike down the Grand Canyon. You're going to see a lot of deer and really a lot of wild mules. That's really cool. And get, I like to get as close as possible, like within distance between you and I. Yeah. And look the deer in the eye and say, hi. <laughs> yeah. It's not, you know. I think that's a, with uh, a lot of young people, children anyway, are missing out on by hanging outside on their phones and not going out into the woods. Not going out and getting lost in the woods yeah 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 not enough kids are doing that because they're getting lost in their screens yeah, yeah. in their uh, phones yeah and uh, i'm not when i'm talking about young people i'm talking about kids you know 10 11 12 years old you know who don't get the experience of being in nature and connected to the trees connected to the animals mm-hmm. you know it's one step removed they're they you can look at it on your phone 
but it's different than actually going out into the woods and encountering uh, an animal or plant that you really connect with. And so where did the where did the art come in? Because your dad had the trucking company, yeah. Moore's Trucking. And then where did the art and photography side, where did that um, spawn? I don't even know this. I should probably know this. That kind of started with baseball. Really? Yeah, baseball. I started drawing. It just, I, I thought I always wanted to be a baseball player. That was the biggest goal in life. Yeah, a professional baseball player. Couldn't couldn't think of any like better. You know, we we worship Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris. Yeah, you know, we grew up in New Jersey. My dad took me to Yankee Stadium. There was nothing better. You know, Tony Kubek got up, hit a ground, hit a, a high foul ball, and landed right near the Yankee dugout, and my uncle. O'Keefe, John O'Keefe, grabbed that ball and gave it to me. Is that a movie quote or is that just... No, I'm just talking the way we talked in New Jersey. Oh. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, so it started with base. So, I, it, John O'Keefe is your actual... To the art. Okay. <laughs> you know, I started making drawings of baseball players. That's how Babe Ruth leaping from the, the wall to catch you know, Babe Ruth. Yeah. Picture that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. You know, and... Lots of drawings and posters and uh, pictures, of, and then I got into Indians and history. One of my favorite subjects in in uh, when I was in grade school was, was history. Really into like the Romans and always making drawings and pictures of mm-hmm. uh, these gladiators and um, uh, it's just history was just the best subject for me. Couldn't do math at all, but history was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's where the art started, making posters and wanting to make drawings and draw, you know, drawings. And so all through uh, out uh, grade school and in high school, I took an art course in high school uh, as a senior, a full-time art course. And I started copying Rembrandt, drawings by Rembrandt uh, paintings, making drawings out of, you know, Rembrandt paintings. I just thought it was just so cool to be able to recreate a face in stone not, what am I thinking about? <laughs> Not in stone. That, that came later. But re, be able to copy a face using graphite, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're thinking about the Mayan, the Maya stone. What? The Maya stone. The yeah. photos in the, no, anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's where the art, and I always, and all throughout high school, you know, I flunked math, I flunked science, right? My parents are so pissed. I just didn't want to do it. Yeah. And so I, I just got into history and English and the, the humanities, you know, uh, art. And, um, and then in college, I became an art major. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it just kept going. It was just... Yeah. I think what's funny is because I remember, you know, growing up, I had math homework and stuff like that. And you weren't, you definitely weren't going to be the one to help me with that. Yeah. Cause you told me, cause you said you, you had dyslexia, or they what they yeah. say is dyslexia, but I think that and I no, tell it's it's listexia. <laughs> I get it, <laughs> but I tell uh, I tell um, Chloe because Chloe says she has OCD, and I'm like, you mean you're just really organized? You know, <laughs> like dyslexia just means you just think differently. I think. No, it's actually, <laughs> like, it's. It's actually an advantage to so Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. You're switching things around. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you and you and mom 
would always making fun of me, yeah. <laughs> always switching stuff around like that. Yeah. yeah, but it's a it's a creative advantage. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you look, you get to look at both sides, both. You know, you come up with like <laughs> ideas and things that you say. They're like, what, did I really say? That? <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny. Yeah. So yeah, so that listexia has always been an advantage. <laughs> you know, great advantage to a creative, uh, creative life. Yeah. So. Back to uh, the Maya. So you had the three tribes, the, the three Not tribes, tribes tr groups of people, families, the three one, three one, groups one, of friends in three different areas. Zook and uh, Jose Guillermo. And then I, I told you about Manuel and Mer Mer mm -hmm. Maria and the fresh food at their place in Yashilan. The third group of people is the Lacando Maya. Mm -hmm. right? Lacando Maya actually speak a dialect of Yucatec. Um, there are lots of dial different dialects of Maya. Uh, that are spoken. And the Lacandone, even though they're in Chiapas, they speak uh, a, a dialect of Yucatec. So I made friends, and the, if, if you want to look up, look at Lacandone, do a search for them on, you know, do a Google search for them, L-A-C-A-N-D-O-N, Lacandone. They're the last, not the absolute last, I, I, mean, I can't say that they're the absolute last, but they're one of the, uh, last uh, groups of Maya, indigenous Maya, that uh, have rejected Christianity, that keep these old beliefs. So um, Naha has been a, 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 it's a small village, there are two uh, villages in the Lacandone area in the Chiapas rainforest. And one is Naha and the other is Lakaha. And they practice these ancient rites, right? They have a god house and they make these pots and they make this solution called Balsh, uh, which is a, a heavily alcoholic drink that you know, they'll ingest and have these rituals, right? And so- Wait, 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 what is it? Yeah, so there are two, there were two very uh, famous um, uh, gentlemen that lived uh, in Naha, the village of Naha where it visited. One was uh, Chen King, Chen Kin, Chenkin Viejo, and the other was Mateo Viejo, right? And they were really still in touch with uh, these very, very ancient beliefs. Um, there's a picture in my my book of Mateo with a cigar. You know that one picture with the his eyes are very sunken, right? It's a it's actually a really cool picture. This guy was like we talk about enlightenment. He was the epitome of enlightenment, this guy, Mateo. Now, he smoked a, a Mayan cigar, all right, called Kuts, Kuts, K-U-U-T-S, uh, Kuts. I'm not sure if that's the right spelling in English, but that's how it's pronounced, right? And this is a holy, not necessarily holy, but a ritual Maya cigar, right? And um, getting to meet this guy was so cool because I had read about him in this book, Called the Last Lords of Palenque, and between Mateo and Chenkin uh, Viejo, uh, these two guys were the the uh, patriarchs of this whole group of Maya in the uh, Lacando Maya in uh, the little village of Naha. So really, but so Mateo was just a cool guy. So he's he's really glowing with enlightenment, you know, smiling, you know, all the time. His teeth. 
were so interesting. He had one tooth all the way across. His teeth were in perfect shape. I mean, one tooth. He had one tooth that was that big? Well, because, like, there was corn. Oh. Stuff. He didn't floss. Yeah, well, no, I, no, yeah, you know, I don't think he ever flossed. Yeah, okay. So it just became one tooth? Yeah, it's just, like, all the corn and the tortilla. Yeah. You know, it's all in his tooth. So when he smiled, he just had one long thing. <laughs> it looked like one tooth. Yeah, I better keep that there. All right, thank you. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, both him and Chan King Viejo, and I'll talk about Chan King a little bit also. He, uh, you know, lots of uh, hikers and uh, some tourists and people from the outside would want to go meet this guy, right? And we, it was hard to see him because you had to go ask permission, you know, tell people in the in the village of Naha that you wanted to visit Chankin. And so we had my friend Chick Charles Herms and I were <laughs> traveling there and uh, we went into Naha and our whole purpose of going there was to visit Chen King. Um, so um, we got into the village and my friend Chick was in a band called Has and the Has Nots, right? right? It was a, a rock band that we had in college. It wasn't a serious rock band. We had like maybe one or two gigs, you know, and um, really we were just a bad. You were bad, really bad band, yeah. yeah. But anyway, he, my friend Chick, got really good at impersonating Elvis, right? Yeah, and he was, he was always walking around saying, "Oh, since my baby, found a new place to drop." So we get to know the right? And we want to make friends with the, you know, younger people. And we want to visit Chen King. We're waiting to see Chen King, you know. So I said, "Hey, Chick, why don't we just do a concert while we're waiting here, right?" So. So we're sitting there, all those little kids dressing um, their, uh, you know, the the um, cl- um, tunics is white. You know, they they're not the Lackandola are still wearing really traditional white. The men all wear these white. Um, it's not robe tunic, if the right word for it. Uh, weeple, <laughs> and so Chick says, "Yeah, okay, so let's do a concert while we're waiting." You know, so Chick's up, you know. And I'm playing the drums, you know, something. Yeah. <laughs> I found a new place to dwell. It's all led down a lonely street. Heartbreak Hotel. I think it's so lonely, babe. I think it's so lonely. I think it's so lonely I could die. Yeah, and so these kids are just like, they're like cracking up. Yeah. It was the funniest, I think it was the they were just like beside themselves laughing. And so that endeared us, I think it endeared us enough to be able to go and visit Chen King. So we go in oh. Chen King. <laughs> that was your the, your passcode to go see the, the yeah, spirit? I guess so. I, the spiritual leader? Yeah, I'm <laughs> embellishing the story a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But we did do the concert and we did the, make the kids laugh. Okay. Yeah. And we so we got in to see Chen King. And um, this was Chan King. Chan King. Chan King. Is he famous or you just... Yeah, he's really famous. Oh, really? Like yeah. if you Googled him? Uh, anthropologists have written about this guy. There's oh. films about him. If you look him up, do a search on you know on Google, and just type in Chan King and let go, let go, let go, let go, let go, Maya, 
and you'll just get a lot of stuff about him, especially in Wikipedia. So, um, yeah, C-H-A-N-K-I-N, kin means son, right? And um, so we got into see Chen Kin, and this was like the first time we saw him. I went and visited him a couple of years later, but the first time we saw him, we went uh, in to see him, and I had some kind of a, what was it? Some, is that him? Yeah, that, yeah, that's him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you have photos of him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I remember your photos of him. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I had some kind of a toy. I forget exactly what it was on my uh, key chain. Yeah. But it was uh, it was like, um, it's like, what do you call those little things you hold in your hand and it feels really good? It, there was, it was less just in vogue a few years ago. Um it's just it's like, I had, in any case, I had some kind of device I gave it to him. And he was just like, really was into this thing, you know? And it was like, he had this on his hand and he's playing with it. And it's just like a squeezy toy or something. Um, so we ask him a lot of questions in Maya, uh, I mean, excuse me, in Spanish. And, you know, they translated into Maya, but he spoke Spanish too. So we'd, we'd ask him about the meaning of life and all this great stuff. Yeah. So finally, at the, you know, we said, okay, we're visiting a holy man. Yeah. Um, you know, in his house, right? And we've come all this way. It took us a day to get there, you know, from the main town of Palenque. Yeah. So we finally said, okay, say Chen Ken, come all this way, you know, to see, to speak with a holy man. And, um, we just, I just want to know what what could you what kind of like advice or learning could uh, what what could you teach us what could you say to us now that we're here with you and he said um uh, you know he had to have it translated and um his uh translator probably one of the kids said well he says turn around and go back <laughs> That was the advice. <laughs> said, just turn around and go back. Uh, go back to where you came from. Uh, I said, oh, okay, that's it. <laughs> and he's laughing. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah. You know? said, oh, they're going to ask you advice. What do I tell them? Oh, we'll just go home. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't have any, uh, any big spiritual statement. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that, that was good. Wait, wait, wait. I want to start this intermission because... I actually got a gift for you and mom. You did? Yeah. This That's is cool. This is because, I mean, I think it's a good uh, thing to bring it back. These are from South Africa. Really? Yeah, when we went to Cape Town. Wow. And there's this. there were these little, like, uh, farmer's markets, kind yeah. of. And this this is a woman, you know, South African woman that made these. These are for the the espresso machine. Her, her husband. Oh, look at that. Yeah, her husband made these. Hand, handmade. That is beautiful. Yeah. So there's there's a whole set. Oh my gosh! There's a How whole set. Think, uh, boy, you must have packed them really, really. Yeah, they're packed. I don't even want to unpack them because. Yeah, boy, I, I boy, those are cool. Wow, thanks, buddy. Yeah, here's another one. They're all different. Oh, these are gorgeous. These are, and there's coffee mugs too. Really? Yeah. Thank you. But yeah, those are for the espresso machine, of course. Yeah. This one, I guess we could. Uh, I'll do this one. Well, it's cool. 
that's an oh here take that whoa 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 here take that uh, I like the shape of this oh this one's heavy this one's heavy yeah they're all like kind of different sizes too right cool yeah thank you yeah <laughs> all right <laughs> okay um all right yeah all right anyway all right back to the Mayan story um so he told us about Chan King. He told you to go home. And mm-hmm. then, um, yeah, so I guess you would just keep going back for seven to seven to 20 days or something like that. And Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, anywhere between 10 and we could, 20 days. We could kind of go, trips. I mean, is there, are there any more like significant moments? Because we could talk um, about other stuff than Mexico. There's a lot of other Going through uh, Guatemala, um, Northern Guatemala, Southern Guatemala, Northern Guatemala, and then Copan, Honduras were just, I mean, I could go on for days and we, we could do a whole separate podcast on that. Yeah, we could do, we could That's do That's where one. you, the, the most remote, classic Maya ruins are. We went to this place, we, uh, you've heard of Tikal. Yeah. It's a big place, but southwest of Tikal, long drives through these, you know, towns, small villages are classic beautiful sites um like one is a sebal um and my very one of the very first dissolves of a real person dissolving this stone was made from a stuff carving at sebal um but anyway the, like i said going to these sites were just so so far removed from um no tourism yeah no there's well in tikal is pretty tourist oh now but yeah. when you yeah. go to the smaller sites which also have exquisite carvings, and on the smaller sites they haven't looted them <laughs> and taken a lot of them out into the museums. Some they have, but not like it. And like they haven't to call. And you see these incredible uh, faces, and it's in the jungle, and it's it's the birds and the animals everywhere. And there's usually just one or two caretakers at one of these sites. And so, like I said, it's that's a long, long story going through. Uh, and we went through um, uh, northern Guatemala. One time I flew from, uh, <laughs> in a Volkswagen plane, <laughs> I flew from Guatemala City to Tikal, to Flores. A Volkswagen plane? Yeah, it's like a Volkswagen plane, you know, clanking, you know. <laughs> it was like it was like an old Volkswagen. Yeah, it's like clank, 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 clank. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, <laughs> oh, we landed. Yeah, clank, clank. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, that's that's a separate, a whole separate story. Well, so but we went into, and then so one time I flew, and the other time we went through, uh, down the Usmas into to another town in Guatemala, and through a, a checkpoint. There's soldiers everywhere in Guatemala, at least in the in the eighties there were in nineties, um, and um, through the checkpoint, and then another bus ride that took a whole day to get to Tikal, and then we went by river to get out of Guatemala and back into Mexico, by long, long river um, to a town in Mexico called Tenacique. And um, anyway, that's a whole separate thing. So how many trips had you made to Mexico before you met mom? Um, Most of them. (laughs) Uh, Ten at least. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So then when you oh, met- no, 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 no. Actually, no. I had made probably eight, eight trips, and then I met Mom, and I took Mom, and I went. Yeah. And that was uh, interesting. Well, had you had any, because when you were with Mom, you guys got, like, held at gunpoint by- Well, yeah. We t- I, I happened to get in the most trouble when- your mother. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Did you ever get any trouble when you weren't with her? Oh, yeah. Oh, you did? <laughs> oh, I thought I thought maybe like the first oh, time. I did three, uh, 360 in a Volkswagen, a real Volkswagen, not a plane. <laughs> a 360? Yeah. 360 On the highway or something? Down, coming down the side of a gravel road. Oh. Uh, into- By yourself? Coming from- you by- uh-huh. Yeah, I was by myself on a Volkswagen. <laughs> I was coming di- out of Naha- into back heading back to Palenque, yeah, and uh, there are all these uh, Lacandon guys sitting in this one little house, and I come down this big hill, right, and all of a sudden this gravel hill, so I lose control of the car because I come around a curve, and the car went, it looks like on the gravel, yeah, in the gravel, uh huh, and I did a, I did like a one eighty, I ended up backwards like in a ditch, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh it was the most fun ride I ever had. <laughs> it really was. I and was the, like and I got when I got out of the car, I went, Woo! Hey <laughs> And the lack and don't those that were there were laughing, they thought that was the funniest thing. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. And so they gave me a spoon. <laughs> what? Why? Uh, why'd they give well, you a spoon? I, like, I said, that's a pretty cool spoon here. It's, it's a wooden spoon. <laughs> a wooden spoon wooden made of wood. Okay. Yeah. I, we had it. Yeah. <laughs> I use it for salad. <laughs> we have the spoon? Yeah, we have it. Yeah. I, don't, I still have it. I never showed you that spoon? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you never mentioned this one. Yeah. I was just going, whoa, whoa. <laughs> it was like being on a tilt a whirl. Yeah. <laughs> tilt a whirl. I'm going to press that, kiss that pretty girl on the tilt a whirl. What's that? I don't know. <laughs> no, that's a that's a that's a that's an excerpt from John Prine song. Oh, okay. Kiss, kiss that pretty girl on the tilt to world. Is that like a amusement park ride? What is that an amusement park ride? Yeah. Oh, a tilt tilt to world is. <laughs> you live in California. You don't know what a tilt. You don't know what a tilt to world is. Oh, come on, come on. There's a pier out there. You could. The tilt a whirls out there. You walk out there. There's got to be a tilt a whirl out there. Okay. Um. Okay. So wait. So, where were we talking about? Oh, they gave you a spoon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so was, that was their like gift to you because they liked you. Might have like yeah. They gifted it to me, but I think I I threw some. Yeah. I threw through. I gave him a few pesos too. I don't know. I, I don't remember. I, they gave me a spoon. I like this spoon. I said, I really like that spoon. I said, they're going to have it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So so then I got back in the car and I, they helped me push the, you know, the car was fine, you know, and they helped me get the car back on the road and I drove back to to uh, Palenque. Um, yeah. So that was, there have been others. Uh, there's been worse ones than that. <laughs> What what else? Oh, the other one's coming out of. This was actually much hairier than when mom and I got held up at uh, when mom and I got you know robbed, robbed. Yeah. <laughs> um, this was. I was coming. Uh, what happened? Here's what happened. 
So I go out, I'm out in, in, uh, in Tikal, and we're staying in a bunkhouse, right? And I had a little cassette tape recorder that I was using to make recordings, and it also played music on it. It had a little speaker. It's a cassette, you know? You know what a cassette is? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know what a cassette is. Not that I'm old. I'm only kidding. I'm okay. Kidding. All right. All right. And so uh, this is great. I, I'd have like Mexican music on it and I'd be playing it, you know, and it'd keep me. I used to like uh, play opera on it. And when I was shooting like in the jungle, I'd play opera, right? That came from the movie Fitzcarraldo. Remember the movie Fitzcarraldo went? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like he wanted to. That's a great story. movie. Uh, yeah. For anyone. Wanted to have opera in the jungle. So I just thought that was so cool. Yeah. So I had this little tape recorder I'd put on Puccini and I'd be photographing the Mayan ruins. It's just so great. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. So uh, anyway, so I had, I left that tape recorder. I was in a bunkhouse, right, in Tikal and I, we're leaving. Um, I was traveling with a, a, a guy, a German guy that I met um, that was there doing an assignment. Uh, taking pictures. He was on a photo side of it, taking pictures to call. So I, I left the bunkhouse and I left the, the little tape recorder underneath the bunk or in the bunk underneath it, right? And so I said, shit, fine, can I get to go back and get it, you know? And we got to the town of Flores and the national park where the we were staying to call. It was a 45-minute drive. So I said, jeez, I don't want to lose it. I have my tapes in it and you know, really, want, really need to go back and get it. And this is at midnight, you know, close to midnight, um, you know, or ten or ten or eleven o'clock at night. So I had to drive all the way back from Flores, forty-five minutes back out there. I got to the bunkhouse. I get to go in the bunkhouse to look, and the tape recorder is gone. I knew it was under the, the bed, and so um, I asked the person, uh, whoever was in charge of the bunkhouse, and they. Said, yeah, one of the girls found the tape recorder. And um, so I got it. She she brought it in. She just didn't want to depart with it. And I mean, she really loved it. It was really cool. And I, I just, I couldn't give it to her. I wanted to. I think I, let, I gave her a tape, one of the tapes, the music, but I couldn't give her the tape recorder because um, it had, you know, all my recordings on and everything. Um, so I got the tape recorder. I'm driving back out. By then, it was midnight. I'm driving down, and outside of the ruins to call, there's a checkpoint, and it's got a giant iron, one of those gates, you know, mm -hmm. that, you know, like at a railroad place. And I'm heading towards out, and I forgot about the gate, right? And it's about midnight, and there's no lights, but just the dim lights of the Volks, of the, uh, I was driving, a, not a Volks, I was driving a, a little SUV, a miniature like SUV Jeep, little Jeep thing. And all of a sudden, this gate is right in front of me, right? And I was going probably 50 miles an hour, traveling down the gates right there. It's a metal gate. And all of a sudden, it's just on top of me. And then the guys saw me coming. They they started raising it, but it raised really slow like this, right? Uh-huh. And it took, I hit it, and it took the roof off the car. Really? I was fine. I had glass all my eyes. Took the roof off. That was like closest I've ever come to near death experience. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I. You just didn't. Up, I got out. I was able to get out of the car, 
but I had glass in my eyes and I was going aqua, 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 aqua. And I was able to, they had a big bucket of water. So I was able to dip my, my eyes in there, my head into the water and just go get the glass out. Yeah. It wasn't a whole lot of glass. It was, it was bad. I still have scar tissue yeah. from that. It didn't hurt my damage. It damaged my eye. But that was, that was a bad, that was not, What year was that? It was probably 91. Mm-hmm. Somewhere. Wow. Anyway, so that, that. So you just didn't see the gate? Yeah, not until I was like 50 yards from it. Oh, okay. And well, because the lights I on the car. I and I, had, I slammed the brakes on. Oh, uh, but you still just hit it. Still probably going 30 when I hit it. Yeah. Right? And it, boy, and then the next day. So then I, I actually was able to get back in the car with no wind, windshield windshield, <laughs> and drive the rest of the way back to the town. Uh-huh. And so, you know, the next morning I went out and looked at the car. I go, oh, shit, this sucks. And uh, I said, oh, I better go get a new car. <laughs> so so I went to the the place, the car rental place, and it was owned by this guy, and he had two sons and the sons. And I said, when I... Got the car, so I, I want to do insurance, get some insurance. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the, and the kid goes, "We don't do that." Oh, uh, and I said, "Oh, you know, okay, you don't do insurance. So if I wreck the car, yeah, you wreck a car, you got to pay for it." Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. So when I got back, uh, the guy met me. Uh, yeah, the guy himself, not his sons, met me. This older guy at the hotel, and he's like, "Walks in." Mikado. Yeah. It's Mikado. Coche. Coche, right? Coche. Yeah. Mikado. Cado, I know Spanish. Mikado. Cado is expensive. Yeah. Muy expensivo. Oh, 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 oh. I saw Mikado is. Now, Mikoche is muy. Yeah. So I. Cado. There was no way around this. I had to pay for the car. Pay. And I said, man, this sucks. You know, man, this is going to drain my savings. You know, and I, yeah. So I go, okay, all right, so I'll do it. Um, and he goes, I said, how much? And he goes, uh, cuatrocientos dollars. 400 bucks? 400 bucks for a total car? You're going to charge me that much? Well, not for a total car, for the car. The oh. car was, to, no, the, yeah, the, the car the, didn't have a roof. Yeah. It didn't, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can still drive it. But the the funny thing is that it's four hundred bucks. You know, it's nothing. Yeah, <laughs> it seems yeah. like a lot to me. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so so, so anyway, that's that story. Yep. So thank we you. won't get into is the gunpoint. Why not? All right. So yeah. So I I happened to like you met mom. Get mom in in these bad you know, situations. I. But you know what? She attracted it. Yeah, right. <laughs> you say afraid. she attracted it. Yeah, she attracted it. She was afraid, you know, of a lot of situations. Yeah. <laughs> and the first one was like we were in the, the zoo uh, hotel. What? The zoo hotel. What's not the zoo? There's the zoo hotel. There's nothing to do with a zoo. Yeah. No, the hotel was the hotel was in, in um, Ocosinco, a little town called Ocosinco. Was it at a zoo? No, no. It's just called the zoo. The zoo, yeah. Well, uh, Z O O or Z U. Yeah. So or... We were traveling. We were in Palenque, which was the first time I wanted. took the ruins, showed the ruins in Palenque. That's where you got your start. And um, 
Japan. <laughs> that's where I was made. Yeah, that's where you were created. Okay. In a, in a, a little tiny campsite. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. In the jungle. Okay. <laughs> you turned out the way you want. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> so we're, we were driving from Palenque to Ocosinco, and we wanted to see these ruins called Tonina, right? And so there was, I had stayed at this hotel before. I just thought it was the coolest thing. Mm-hmm. So I said, honey, you got to stay in this hotel with me. You know, it's called, you know, I, yeah, I forget the name of the hotel, but it was in the t- outside of the town of Ocosinco. And the hotel was a zoo, basically a zoo. Because they, you go into the, the rooms were all, you know, metal door lockup rooms. And outside of the room, you know, there would be a pit with crocodiles in it. And, oh, here are the snake exhibit. Here's the snake exhibit. It was like, it wasn't really, I'm sure mom loved this. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I had pictures of the crocodile. I mean, there was a... <laughs> There was a, a crocodile in your room. <laughs> there was a fence, you know. Yeah. Crocodile. I think there was a fence. <laughs> but the crocodile couldn't get, you know. It's going to get into the room because of the, it, the fence. No, because there's a metal door. Yeah. <laughs> but, and the snake couldn't climb over the fence. Yeah. Well, I, no, the, the snakes, I think, were. He just wouldn't bother you. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't bother us. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, like gringo meat. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, yeah, so there'd be all these birds and different animals, like in these little pits um, <laughs> around the, you know, by the hotel doors, you know, and there are probably like 10 rooms in this place. So um, the first morning we were there, I wanted to go up into the ruins uh, or walk around the zoo and take pictures. I said, so cool, you know, it's a zoo, you know, I got some good shots of crocodiles, right, close. <laughs> and so I left mom in the hotel room, right, and I traveled off into somewhere in the woods or something, in the jungle. <laughs> and uh, when I come back, <laughs> I think I forgot to lock the door. Because <laughs> uh-huh. when I come back, there's this guy, mom said, there's a guy in the room. <laughs> I go, What? He goes, she goes, there was a guy in the room, uh-huh, looking in the window, and then he came in the, he was in the room, right? Uh-huh. And I, I said, what? And I don't know if he's a caretaker or wh- who he was. Yeah. And mom didn't either. She just said, get out of here. Yeah. You know? And he, he left. Yeah. Um, so I, that was, I complained, really got mad at the hotel proprietor. Yeah. I said, who's this guy walking in the room? Yeah, just walking in the room like that. Yeah. Anyway, so I didn't know why he was in the room, but nothing really bad came up. Mom was kind of frightened. Yeah. So I said, all right, that's enough for this. We'll we'll leave. We went up to the ruins that day. It was beautiful. It was, Mom would sit there and sketch, but it was cool. She was cool about it. <laughs> she was sketch. I'd take pictures and um, I have some great shots of her in that, in that site. And so I have good shots of the hotel too, I think. I think somewhere. Um, so I said, okay, that's enough. You know, we'll stay here. We'll leave, you know, we'll leave right away. And so we left and we drove up to San Cristobal's a beautiful mountain town. All right. And, um, just a wonderful, uh, place where you see all kinds of like crafts and markets and San Cristobal is just an exquisite place to visit. 
So we stayed there in a, for a couple of nights in, in a, Sp- a Spanish colonial old hotel thing. And so then I had to get mom back to the airport at uh, the city called Villa Hermosa uh, the next day because I was going to go on to Yachilan um, to tr- go see another group of friend, my friends. And so uh, we got packed up and went down, and San Cristobal was way up in the, way up high. The altitude is probably three, four, four thousand feet, five thousand feet. And um, uh, so we're driving back down. We come to a a, a clearing, uh, a overlook, right? And we look, and it's like the clouds are below the ma- the mountains. The mountain peaks are are sticking up out of the clouds. It was just a, the most amazing, one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. How many feet up? Like um, we're probably at uh, maybe five thousand feet, something like that, right? But the cl- the clouds were l- low lying clouds, and they were low enough that the peaks were right coming right through the clouds. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful, you know. And there's a there was a a pull a, a overlook, and um, there were people, a couple of people there. It maybe eight or nine people. There were a couple of cars, and people were out taking pictures. I said, "Let's go in." My mom and me. They said, "No, no, don't stop here." Right. I said, come on, come on. It's an amazing place. So I pulled in, regardless of what she said, and pulled the car over. And I said, I'm going to get out and take pictures. She said, I'm not getting out of this car, she said. And so I was just about to open the door. Oh, no, I, I, I got, yeah, no, I got out of the car and went around to the trunk to get one of my cameras. And all of a sudden, the, this guy, these two guys dressed in Army uniforms, came up and one guy was pointing a gun right in my face <laughs> and it was like it was like a, a pistol a silver pistol with a white handle I'll never forget that I can mm-hmm. see the copper the yeah. bullets right and uh yeah give me give me the, the camera you know because I had the camera one of my cameras in my hand so I, here you go <laughs> you <know>? <laughs> <laughs> he grabbed the camera and then I just got, while he was looking at the camera, I got back in the door, and his, his compadre, his other buddy, was holding up the other people at the place. Had them all lined up and get, clicking their wallets and stuff. And so I got, while they were doing that, he was a little distracted with the camera, and I got back in the car, <laughs> and Mom says, just get out of here. Let's get out of here. I couldn't get the car started, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on, come on! And this guy's banging on the on the windshield with his gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With, you know, get out of the car, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, a bus comes into the parking lot. It was like a tour bus, right? And there's probably a, a stop for yeah. the tourists to look at the view. And those guys, they high tippled out of there. And uh, so I'll never forget to see him running into the woods with my camera uh, in his hands, yeah. you know. <laughs> Luckily, I had another camera. Yeah, I had two Nikon's with me, so I had enough. To, but that was a beautiful camera. Always bring two cameras. Always bring two cameras. <laughs> two. Always bring two phones. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you I have two phones. Enough actually, that. enough of that. That's just you know. And so I I got her to the airport, and she said, "Okay, honey, have a nice rest of your trip." She got on the plane the next morning. 
I saw her off, and I I went off to uh, visit my friends at Yachilan. Ah, uh, yeah. So that was that. So, um, yeah. And uh, aren't you going to ask me about what happened with Alejandro? Yeah, what happened with Alejandro? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like what? Well, like in between? Was that the last trip to Alejandro? Uh, or no, no. The last trip with Ali to see Ali. Uh, I never saw Alejandro on that trip. Oh, we were in Chiapas. But the the very last trip where I saw Alejandro was in two thousand and one, mm-hmm. and that was the last time I traveled in the Yucatan. We went there as a family, but we weren't in the Yucatan. We were on the Maya Riviera, right? Or the Maya Riviera. <laughs> We'd go into a, a lot of conversation about that. Um, but I, yeah, I did some photographs at um, in at, at Coba when we were on those trips. In any case, to get back, the, the last time I visited uh, Jose Guillermo and... Uh, Alejandro was in 2001. And Alejandro was a real, just a really good, strong family type guy. You know, he had a good job. He was the janitor at the school, at the local school. And when I saw him that time, he greeted me, he had his uniform on. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it was really good. And I took Wait, 2001? Huh? 2001. So I was five. Yeah, that was the trip that Jack Jack was born in two thousand one. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, so you went on a trip to Mexico when I was five, yeah. And I was just Don't with you mom. remember that I left you and mom? No. You don't? No. I left you in Boston? No. You don't remember picking me up at the airport when I got back? You don't remember that? You no. came. Yeah. Anyway, so uh <laughs> um so that was the last time I saw Alejandro and I saw pictures, but Jose Guillermo at that point was <laughs> drinking a lot. And I, you know, he, he had been drinking a lot in the previous trip. And I said to Alessandro, the Donia Jose Guillermo, he said, it's Baracho. Wait, 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 we skipped some. Yeah. Well, this was 2001 or recently? Yeah, 2001. Oh. And, oh, and oh. the last time I visited him was probably in 2000 or, you know, 1999. And already Jose was starting to drink a lot. Oh. Um, so you went one, back in fact, one time, one, one, one of those trips, the trip prior to 2001, we went to the cenote and I felt kind of bad because I always buy a bunch of beer, you know, yeah. before we went to the cenote and I know so Jose was really pounding those beers, you know? Yeah. And, and, um, yeah. So, and we get to the cenote and we, you know, as, as I said, described earlier, it's the long steps that go down into the cenote, cenote cement steps, very mm-hmm. steep cement steps. I can only explain this by, by standing up. So he's, Jose is the top of the steps. All right. And he's like looking like this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we're, we're looking at him and say, Jose, be, just be careful because he just went like this. Boom. Like he wanted to fall. Almost like he wanted to fall. And I watched him tumble down these steps, these cement steps, like over and boom, 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 right into the water. Right, I we get down there, <laughs> pull him out, and um, uh, uh, Alejandro's really upset. Uh, Jose and Alejandro are cousins, uh, right? First cousins, and um, 
he was upset. And he says, I brought you. And I said, what learned out? Jose was fine. He was fine? He was okay, yeah. He had bros all bruised up. He didn't break any bones. What did you say? He's desperacho? Huh? Barracho's drunk. He's Oh, he's a drunk. Oh, yeah, he's a drunk now. He's like the town drunk. Oh. And we made we got him back to the hotel that night. He sobered up and we ended up like singing music, playing the guitar. His dad had a guitar. <laughs> yeah. And his dad was playing the music and he was okay. But that was like a real red flag. And then the next time I saw him in two thousand twenty one, uh 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 Jose Guillermo was really drunk. I mean, I didn't, I didn't even see him. I said, where's Jose? It's Baracho. I think I saw him very, and I have pictures of him drunk. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just really sad. It's kind of a bummer. And so that was the last time I saw him. I took the pictures of family and everything and um, went back to, uh, uh, flew back home. All right. And then it was 20 years and I, I hadn't seen him. Um, and we made some trips to the Maya, uh, to Tulum, you know, two trips, I think, uh, between that time in 2007 and 2011. And, um, uh, uh, and I've been there. So I, and I always wanted mom to go back to Mexico with me. Yeah. And And we've been a little hesitant. Yeah. I wonder (laughs) why. Why? Yeah. Uh, and so, but I said, yeah, but you've never been to Merida. Okay. So you have to go to Merida. It's like, th- that's, Merida actually is a big city, you know, over a million people in the whole area of Merida. It's a beautiful, beautiful t- city. Um, that's, if you ever go to Mexico again, go to Merida, get away from the Maya Rivera. So this was this year, 2022. Yeah. So I um, convinced her. I said, you've never been to Meredith, one of the most beautiful cities in Mexico, and this also the safest because it's out of the way, the pa- out of the uh, path of the drug cartels. Okay. And the drug cartels come up through Tulum. They go up through from Chetamal, from uh, Central America, up through Tulum, but not up any, through the Yucatan because there's no, uh, you know, there's, there's no way to access to, you know, mm-hmm. keep the... There's no clear path to keep the drug drug uh, trade going. So Meredith's an incredibly beautiful city. You turn, every corner you turn, there's a painted wall that's been painted a hundred times. And so the walls, the paint is peeling and it's just said to exquisite and museums. And now there's like coffee shops. We went there and there was like internet coffee shops. Just a cool place. Great restaurants, great food. So, uh, we stayed there, and then I just signed. I said, listen, honey, you can come with me. I really want to go see my friends, um, you know, Alejandro especially, right? And I kind of suspected I wouldn't see Jose again because the last time I had seen him in 2001, um, he was in pretty bad shape. Um, and so we went on this trip last January, right? Mom and I did. We went to Merida. We she just she could have stayed at the hotel so beautiful, um, and she did you know because there was a pool there was really nice and walk around the city and everything. So I we got our hired a driver to take me out to Yashko Buil, right? And uh, I hadn't seen them in twenty years. I knew I kind of knew that you have their number. Were you texting them that you're coming? No, there's they don't have a no, <laughs> no. I just went. But I, because I, you know, 
I knew that they would still be there. And so um, the town had been rearranged a bit um, because they, they used to be the road, the main highway would go right through the tent, right through Yashko Puil. And it wasn't a big highway, but now a lot of people are traveling, so they created a bypass and you had to go into the village, take an exit and get, to get into the village. Um, and then we got there, you know, we pulled into the village and uh, the driver uh, dropped me off at the at the baseball field, you know, having a, a pickup baseball game on Sundays. This was on a Sunday. So I just, I, I you know, I went past all the, ru- the colonial ruins and into the village, which was the streets of the village. And I had to try to remember where they lived because everything had changed because of the, how they rerouted the, the road. And uh, so I had pictures from uh, 2001, right? This is 20 year, 22 years later. And so I went up to the a family in one of their houses. They're outside of Sunday. They were making a cooking or something. And I went and I said, this, this is Jose, uh, Jose Guillermo y uh, Alejandro Tuc, right? Mm-hmm. And they look at the picture, and the people look at the picture. That's Alejandro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, si, si, si. But it's uh, muy alto. Like, uh, you know, he's really old now, you know. But yeah. that was him when he was a young man, you know, because there's... Yeah, right, there's 20 one. years, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I said, Don Dios de Casa... The casa Alejandro, Esquierda, you know, derecho, mm-hmm. you know, Esquierda. <laughs> uh, and so I, I just walked down and I, I found another guy and I said, where's the house? And he said, oh, ahí, ahí, Alejandro. I walk into the yard and the whole family's there, right? They're like sitting outside the yard in their little yard. Now they had a concrete house. The last time I was there, it was just, it was sticks. It was a stick. Yeah, no, uh, a traditional Maya house with the yeah. stick hut and the you know the grass roots and stuff. And now that he had a cement house, I was so happy. I was happy to see that. Um, and I walk into the yard, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, uh, uh, Alejandro's wife. It's like, what? One, one, two. It's like, hey, one, two, one, two. You know. Yeah. And I go in, and it's just like, it was so cool. I I hadn't seen him in twenty years, and they're still there. And like, uh, Alejandro was like, had no teeth by then. Yeah, know? and he was like, uh, I said, I can't believe it. I gave him a big hug, and I took pictures of him, and uh, we said Happy New Year. I made a little video of that. Happy Nuevo Año Nuevo. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was just really a precious moment, a great moment. And I I gave the pictures. Oh, and I had taken pictures in the 2001 and prior to that of the little kids. Right. Yeah. And now the little kids were big kids. Yeah. You know? And uh, I was showing the pictures of the little kids. They go, oh, yeah. You know, this yeah. girl, uh, I forget her name, but yeah. Uh, What's her name again? Lind, uh, I forget her name. But this is her. Right. Yeah. And she's now she's 22. Right. She was, yeah, now she was 24. She was like a two or three year old. 
at the time. Yeah. I was holding a baby. I picture me holding a baby. The baby's now a teenager. Yeah. Or older than a teenager. Yeah. Baby. And um, it was great. And so, uh, to make a long story short, um, I said, uh, uh, it's uh, Jose Guillermo is muerto. Yeah. He said, see. Sí. Yeah. Yeah. I said, well, when, you know, it's uh, cinco años pasado. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, it's his cousin. It's just, it was, it was kind of a sad thing. But so I said, well, let's go visit him. Donde es el cementerio? So we went to the cemetery to visit him, right? And so we get to the cemetery, right? And they, you know they have a flam family plot, and they have the two, two family plots. They're cousins, so they're all this that uh, yeah surname Tuk, it's a Mayan name. And so there's, there's the flam family plot with the gravestones lined up, and I said, oh, "That's pretty." I said, "Don, uh, a case uh, don't uh, they uh, uh, a piedra uh, de Jose?" And he, he looks, he goes. No say. <laughs> he didn't know which one. I don't know, I don't know which one it is. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. one of them. Yeah. So I had to go up and touch each gravestone and go. <laughs> you know. Hola, Jose. Nadia. Es tranquila. And then I kept pointing to the gravestone and saying, how do you pronounce the name of Duke? I can never like quite get Duke. it. You know. So, Yeah. Maybe we'll have uh, a show a little video clip of of uh, yeah, like Andrew yeah. saying, "Duke, Duke, Duke," yeah. and I'm saying, "Duke," and he's going, "Duke, Duke." Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. And um, so we got to visit uh, Jose. Yeah. And, um, and then Alejandro led me around the village again and talked to his friends and takes a few pictures and um, I said, um. Uh, and then finally, at the end of the, the day, uh, the end of the afternoon, you know, I had arranged to have uh, the driver come pick us up again um, and uh, at the baseball field. And so the driver met Jose, and they, you know, they, they talked a little bit. It's, and then I just said, uh, okay, I'll see you in a, another 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that was that. Yeah. But you got, didn't you get like the Facebook of someone or hmm? doesn't the girl have oh, a Facebook? Oh, yeah. Or? One of the girl, the, that little girl that was three years old had a phone. Yeah. Okay. Right. And so she gave me her, her, uh, I'll be able to text her with pictures. Oh, good. Yeah. So that, that would be good. Yeah. Um, okay. I think that, that wraps up the Mexico story. We, we could do the ton of these podcasts. Yeah. We do like one every six months probably and just go back in different stories but i don't know what should we talk about next um i think we should talk about risk risk okay yeah we can get philosophy all right yeah risk and responsibility okay and if you don't if you're not taking risk you're not living yeah yeah that's right whatever that is for you it might be travel for some people it might be like going into you know a, a jungle or mm-hmm. it might be driving a car too fast. I mean, that's risky. It's actually, I feel a lot less safe driving here in Malibu. Yeah. <laughs> than in the jungle. Malibu and in Los Angeles than I, I do walking in, um, amongst snakes in the desert. 
Yeah. And we just, let's talk about our trip. Let's talk about uh, the- uh, Joshua Tree. The Europe's. Yeah, yeah we got- yeah. It's all about risk. Is it? Yeah, pressing yourself. Yeah. You know, and uh, you're, you're very, you're protective of me. Yeah, well, and we go. Well, I'm thinking about so many things because, yeah. well, so first of all, we, we got a yurt in Joshua Tree in the desert. And, um, you know, we went on some hikes up mountains and I'm just, I, I'm not, I don't know if it, I'm not really protective. It's just, I'm thinking about, I, there's a lot of rattlesnakes. But then also your your hearing isn't the best. Yeah, it's not. So I'm worried that if I see like a rattlesnake and I say, Dad, Dad, there's a rattlesnake that you're not going to hear me. No, I'll so, hear you. Yeah, but then, but maybe it's like a mountain lion or something or, you know, I don't know. And and I'm yelling and now I'm calling attention. So, you know, I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to balance all these things in my head to, I don't know. But, but no, I, we actually, this is a good topic. This is a realization I had. When we were um, on like up the mountain, yeah, basically next to yeah. our our yurt, and I was saying that all the fear that I was feeling, and like it's a really common saying in like the personal development, you know, yeah, book yeah. world and yeah. the bookshelf, they say like fear is the pathway to freedom, right? But I was thinking that fear is like, remember we were walking down the mountain, and I said, Dad, I think I found the secret to life. It's alchemy. And it's the alchemy. You should explain that a little more because I'm not sure exactly what you're talking about. Well, when you're scared, you have a lot of energy. Yeah. Like when you're in a situation where you're doing something dangerous or or you're afraid some animals or snakes are going to attack you, you're you're fully alert. Yeah. And you're alive. Yeah. And I mean, like going on a trip like that and going into the woods or going into Mexico, like you, you... you have some fear, real tangible fear. Yeah. But that's like, that's powerful and that's energy. And when you come back, you're usually really rejuvenated. Yeah. Because the, you, the fear is transformed. The fear is transformed because now, you, I mean, you're, you're out of the fear, but it was exhilarating in that it like, it's like a lightning bolt of energy that shocks you, yeah. your whole body. And if you can, if you can control that and harness it intentionally into something else, it's like, really it's powerful it's really powerful right you uh you could talk to when you went with jan into um sequoia sequoia yeah yeah and you're in a hammock at night and you're in bear country yeah yeah now that how did how did you feel about oh yeah i didn't sleep yeah what i didn't sleep yeah yeah well we went out um a couple years ago now yeah, two years ago. Was that two years ago? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, two years ago, we went to um, we went to Sequoia National Forest. Jan, um, his friend, who's also like a pretty intense mountaineer traveler, he biked from the UK to Morocco. Yeah. Wow. Like that he, is he did a, a bike trip. Really? Yeah. Um, Holy shit. And then uh, he had some funny stories from that too, but because uh, someone like stole his bike along the way, so he had to like go find a new bike. Oh my god! Uh, but and then uh, another guy, and we and Jan is Swiss Australian, and we were going hiking out, not on a hiking trail, just out in the back country. Yeah. And there's like bare footprints everywhere. 
Yeah. And and Jan's idea was to sleep in hammocks. <laughs> and so we set up like hammocks and we're sleeping in I'm like, this doesn't seem like a good idea. It feels like we're like roasting on just perfectly <laughs> asleep, roasting on fire. Uh, and and then another thing that happened was that uh, there was, I thought I saw aliens <laughs> because, really? yeah, I was sitting in the tent and I looked up at the sky and I was like, what the hell is that? Yeah. And it was actually Elon Musk's Starlink. Oh, really? Yeah, he has a. It's Starlink. It's a. It's a string of satellites. It looks like a caterpillar of like satel- satellites, and they supply Wi-Fi and like around. I've never seen that. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. And I thought I thought it was an alien, and I was like, that's where you would see an alien. Like I was also thinking in Joshua Tree we might see an alien. Yeah. Because wait, like so- alien. I feel like aliens always present themselves to people that are like ready for them to see yeah and i was like of course like my dad and i would see an alien because we're in all of course yeah (laughs) and we see we saw an alien what remember we were coming back and we saw that plane we didn't know when it was oh that that was jupiter though wasn't it yeah it turned out to be jupiter maybe it yeah i think it did but we were for the longest time we were saying wait a minute it's not moving yeah well it was like 9 p.m and we were driving back from dinner or no, it was a Tesla station. We were charging yeah, the Tesla. Yeah, yeah. And we looked out the window and there was like a giant light in the sky, but it was really low. And we couldn't tell if it was like a telephone uh, pole with a light on it or a star or a spaceship. We didn't know what it was. Yeah. But I think it was a Jupiter. We, I think it was Jupiter. Yeah. I'm pre- quite certain it was. Because it was setting. It was a red. It was it had a, a red. And when we go back to the year, you know, it was, it was setting. It was go- just over the mountain well the only reason we we even thought it was jupiter though was because our phone we had that the stargazing yeah. app yeah we put it up in the sky and we're like oh it matches up with jupiter yeah it's well, kind of you, you were able to do that i wasn't yeah <laughs> it's kind of funny thinking about like older civilizations and how yeah. they they didn't you know of course they would come up with like mythologies about things because you don't have an app to tell you oh that's jupiter you know, they yeah. say, oh, that's, you know, the yeah. god of the something. Uh, that's what the Maya did. Yeah. yeah. And the Egyptians. And it's just, yeah. Well, I know There's thing, so much truth to that. Yeah. Those those advanced, so-called advanced situations, I mean, they were, they had their own math systems. I was, you asked, you said the other day, look at what the Egyptians are doing, what they did. Yeah. And I was, I actually found like a course online about math and the kind of math, mathematical systems that the Egyptians developed. Yeah. Really highly advanced, right? That is advances any, any, any kind of technological thinking we have today. Yeah. Well, we're saying how we, like our society thinks that we're so smart with our phones and we have such advanced technology, but there's a possibility that like the Egyptians and the Mayans had even more advanced technology than we have today. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't necessarily have the tools the same. They didn't have the same tools, so they made, but they fabricated their own tools. Maybe they, they did. Who knows? Any Maybe less they... advanced in terms of a te- technology and a society and a culture than we are? Mm-hmm. There weren't any less. It wasn't like you go back in time. You know, in fact, really the only uh, and we get to get into this. The only uh, belief systems that are less advanced are religious doctrines right Mm -hmm. like you know follow this and do these rules like and i don't want to mention any for fear of you know 
offending anyone, but religious systems, systems that are uh, human-made systems of thought and belief, do this or else this will happen, right? Mm-hmm. Do this or else you'll burn in hell, right? And that's, in terms of advanced thinking, that's like way behind, I think. You think that's behind? Well, I, do, I call it a do. I mean, I guess it's sort of, um, I'm contradicting myself because, um, you know, the Maya, the ancient Maya or the ancient Egyptians would have rule systems like yeah. that. It, and they'd fabricate their own God, systems of gods and divinities. And I suppose, you know, like I, I could use, a, a, I guess I could use the word Christianity. Um, but somehow, I know, we talked about this a lot that somehow religions got it wrong. Well, not religious. Religions didn't get it wrong. The people that are interpreting the religions got it wrong. Right. They're taking it too literally, and it, they're not um, reading through the lines and reading it somewhat metaphorically. Yeah. Like We were talking about how uh, the crucifixion um, is about... It's not necessarily about like this guy that you know, um, like this historical story that you need to listen to. It's about like self-transformation and about killing the old version of yourself yeah. and becoming the new version of yourself. Right, right. Uh, I mean, that, you know, there's obviously all different interpretations and I don't want to say that one is even correct because they're all use. The thing about, I think a really interesting thing about religions is that be- actually because they're, at different levels of consciousness, you interpret them differently. Mm-hmm. That they serve you at each level of your consciousness. Like they're perfectly made to serve. So someone who who reads it 100% literally at that phase of their life, yeah. that's what they need. But then when they kind of reach a higher level of enlightenment or they're in a, you know, you open the, the book and it's like, oh, like I see it and read it differently, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I think you you talked about this even with like, you know, the... This, the personal development books that I have, like you read them 10 years ago or 20 years ago, but then you picked them back up and they meant something completely. Yeah, 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 something new. Yeah. Because your thought system, your own thought systems are changing, ever changing, transforming and then evolving into new, uh, new beliefs. You know, a, a belief is a whole separate thing. It's like belief. What is belief? It, a belief is a, a a kind of system that we make up that we can we can take seriously or not, or <laughs> we can you know think about it intellectually, or we can think it's total bullshit. <laughs> yeah, which a lot of times I think it is. It's how people again is how people interpret it. Yeah. So what I'm actually this is kind of a topic switch, but. Um, when you were you and mom were raising me, you guys were pretty like, you guys were pretty liberal. Like you kind of let me do sort of whatever I wanted. Yeah. Did you guys have have like a thought process behind that, or you just that's just no. how it was? It just we didn't have a no. It's just who we are were. <laughs> yeah. We didn't have any system or or, you know. I mean, I think I think we read somebody gave us a book because like uh, I'm preparing to preparing for parenting or something like that <laughs> we might have read the back cover yeah and then 
you know, discarded it. We just winged it. Yeah. Basically, it's just like comes from yeah, your experience, the feeling you have. And it's how you grew up and what your values are. Yeah. At the time. Yeah, I just remember. And at the like, time, right. values were, let them do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. I remember, like, a lot of my friends' parents were so strict and, you know, like, with when it got into high school and their parents were like, no drinking and no partying, you and mom were like, oh, well, you know, you could try to smoke some weed if you want to, but yeah. it's really not that good for you. So, <laughs> you know, not that and, much fun. And that made me not really want to do it because yeah. you, you were like, yeah, it's fine yeah. if you drink a little bit, you know, but it's, you know, you should well, really. Oh, we're going to draw the line when it comes to. Uh, when it comes to endanger, um, physical endangerment, that's where we made rules. You know? Yeah. You like know. like what? Like, uh, well, actually, maybe we didn't make that <laughs> But we didn't make any strict rules, but we're always very protective yeah. uh, that in that way. I, I know this is another complete topic switch, but can you talk about like the, what was like the hippie era? Was that the 70s? Yeah. Like 60, Woodstock, sixties and seventies. Woodstock was in sixty nine. Did so you you went to Woodstock? I didn't go to Woodstock. Oh, you did. One of my biggest life regrets. Oh, <laughs> because I was down at the Jersey Shore. We we're uh, our whole life was about surfing and meeting girls. Oh, drive-ins and driving around. And Woodstock came, and it was like a very liberal time. And I'll never forget my next door neighbor, Tommy O'Brien, was you know he had hair down his. He said, "I'm going to Woodstock." You know, yeah, and so he went, and I, man, I, he went, and Gordon's sister went, Kathy, uh, and they they went up there and came back, and I really is, damn, I should have went, I should have went. I was just, it was too comfortable at the beach. Yeah, you know, yeah, too comfortable. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. You have a lot of good stories from the the seventies or the sixties. Yeah, yeah, maybe what, Jer- Jersey Shore. Well, what if we maybe we'll we'll put a pin in it here, okay? And we'll revisit that for the next podcast. Okay, sounds good. But anyway, you, you have the book. Can people pre- yeah. well, people could pre-order it? We'll make a link for them to pre-order it. Yeah, I don't think you know how to set that up. Oh, I, yeah, well, I'll set it up for you. Look on my website. I haven't set it up yet. I'll set it up. Ordering. I'll I'll make a link for them to yeah. do that because I don't think. So you the, if you want to look at the prototype, it's a prototype for the book. The name of the book is Interval. And uh, you go to my website, jmore-photo.com. That's the website. I'll put it in the link below so they can yeah. check it out. And it, and they could pre-order like a coffee. It's like a coffee table book, right? Yeah, it is a coffee table book. But let me, you know, I'm working to get it published. I mean, I can supply, I can get get it published and sent out, but it's not. I haven't gotten a publishing contract, so I don't have in quantity. It's print. It, it's look and print. Yeah. Thing. And it's, you know, it's going to be rather, you know, it'll be pricey. <laughs> yeah, right. Explain it. Yeah, yeah. coffee table books are not cheap. Pricey. Yeah. But anyway, there's a PDF on the site. The name of the uh, book is Interval. So it's jmore-photo.com. Um, and then also, uh, yeah, my Instagram, look at my Instagram, you know, at uh, John Moore Photo, J-O-N Photo. Yeah. That's it. John Moore Photo. All right. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about today? Any notes you made? Well, I'd love to get into talking about Gordon and Vince. <laughs> Maybe I'll give you a little, um, a little preview of the next podcast. Okay. So, Gordon and Vince and I used to go to drive into Staten. Who were Gordon and Vince? Me and Gordon. And Vince. 
Who are they? Oh, Gordon and Vince are my two best friends from high school. Stay in touch with your friends from high school. You know, I, you know, my best friends are my friends from high school. Uh, um, anyway, so because it's the memory, you know, the memories we had, the stuff we did is a bonding thing, you know. Yeah. You know, spending a night in jail with Gordon was <laughs> one of the most precious. You want to tell that story? Experiences in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I was terrified. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Uh, anyway, so just a little bit of a preview. Gordon and I, Gordon and Vince and I, and probably a, a, a whole other cast of characters would drive into Staten Island when we we're 18 because the drinking age was New York was 18. New Jersey was 21. So we'd drive in there. We're really, when we're 16 and 17, we'd go to Steak and Brew and say, Steak and Brew would bring you as much beer as you wanted. As long as you order a steak, you have as much beer as you wanted. So we used to do that and pretend we were older, pretend we were 18 or 16 and 17. And uh, so as a little teaser, I guess to say, we were at Steak and Brew and then we went to a club and we, the, the club in Staten Island, I forget the name of the club, but it had a parking lot in back. And then there were these very large cliffs. Oh, no, excuse me. Excuse me. There were, there were cliffs, but there was a building, uh, like an abandoned building in the back with fire escapes. So Vince decides he wants to climb. So he starts climbing up the building, and he gets to the top of the building, right? And he takes his clothes off. <laughs> he throws the clothes down into the parking lot. And meantime, the proprietor of the club sees him up there and uh calls the cops so the cops arrive right but why did cops he take why did he take his clothes off oh, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I no uh, he liked to strip down to his underwear he didn't take all his clothes he got down okay. to his underwear and just threw his clothes down he thought it'd be cool to watch his clothes floating in the air. i don't know something like that, <laughs> you know okay and it's in the middle of the night so the cops arrive by the time the cops got there, Vince had already gotten to the bottom of the fire escape. It was probably hanging on the ladder and then dropping down. He got into a car, right? and the cops come, and uh, they, we gave him his clothes, get, get, just get in the car, you know? Get in the car, get, the, get out of here, right? The cops are here. So the cops are shining these lights up there, all right, up all on the looking for spotlights. And Vince gets out of the car and goes, is there a problem, officer? <laughs> the cop says, yeah, some fucking nut is up there, like, on the building somewhere. We got complaints, right? <laughs> yeah. And talking to it. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, he was the one talking to the cop. Yeah. Like, yeah, look at that. Is there a problem? What's going on? How did he get down? He climbed down, but he, by the time oh. he got down, the by the time the cops got there, he was already down. Oh, okay. In the yeah. car getting dressed. Uh, That's all. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening. All right. Thank you for listening. Get the book. Link in the description. We'll put your tag, your Instagram tag. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, we'll do another one soon. Ciao. Talk about the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. Adios, amigos. <laughs> <laughs>